Welcome to the Accessible South Africa Travel Podcast. This is a podcast where we discuss travel in South Africa and beyond for persons with disabilities and special needs with our host, Lois Strachan. Join us as we share inspiring stories of people who travel, exciting, accessible travel experiences, and showcase service providers who will accommodate those with special needs. And now, on with the show. Hey there everyone and welcome to today's episode of the Accessible South Africa Travel Podcast. I'm your host, Lois Strachan. Today we're talking to Renee Tembe, who is a Cape Town-based learning and development practitioner and a disability advisor. And we're chatting to Renee about some of her travels, both locally in South Africa and overseas. And she shares some really great stories with us. I just want to explain up front that we did have a few technical issues with this particular interview. And like they say, when technology works, it's great. But when it doesn't work, well, so we just want to apologize for those technical issues and hope you enjoy the interview anyway. So let's go right in and meet Renee. On the Accessible South Africa Travel Podcast, we're talking with Renee Tembe, who is a learning and development practitioner and a disability advisor. How are you doing today, Renee? I'm very well, thank you, Lois. Great. And thanks so much for joining us on the podcast. Thank you for having me. It is an absolute pleasure. Maybe we should start off by just asking you to introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do. Okay, so um, I started out in recruitment um, many moons ago, um, and in my very first job, I was tasked with starting a disability desk, um, that is starting a database with candidates with disability, um, and also a client list. Um, that was in the, in the mid-90s. Um, and so that was my introduction to people with disabilities. Um, I then moved into training and development. I'm now a registered assessor, um, facilitator, moderator, um, doing accredited training programs and qualifications, um, also with people with disabilities, but then also doing um, diversity and sensitization awareness programs um, for clients um, and for the integration of candidates into the workplace. And I've also done one or two um, workplace accessibility audits. Um, yeah, and then my my introduction to to, to with my disability um, in 1997, I was diagnosed with tendonitis in my wrists. It was bilateral. Um, they then moved up into my elbows and then later into my shoulders. And in 2016, just as I moved to start out on my own, I was diagnosed with fibromyalgia, which is a chronic uh, pain condition, um, which affects the central nervous system. There's 18 tender points. And um, yes, so when traveling, I now need to use a wheelchair. So I remember when speaking to the specialists, um, they said to me, I need to, we need to um, use a wheelchair. And at that point, I was like, heck no, not happening. Um, <laughs> I can do it. I can travel. I can walk. Um, and then you find that you're flat for two days after. 
and then you you think again, you're like, no, 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 I need to heed when the professionals speak, I need to listen. Um, so yeah, now when I'm, when I'm traveling for work or for family visits or holidays, I, I need to request a, a, a wheelchair. Well, that's given us a great lead into my next question, which is, can you tell us a little bit about the traveling that you've done? Um, yes. Um, I, I, I always enjoy travel. Um, so in the, the late 90s, I was, I, was, I was living in the UK for three years. I traveled extensively. I traveled to Germany, Spain, Israel. Um, so the travel bug has always been there. Um, and then also with work now locally, I get to travel, um, you know, to the centers, Joburg, um, Durban, uh, Bloemfontein, um, as required. Um, and then also my sister and her husband live in York, in the city of York. New Yorkshire in the UK. Um, so we try and alternate one year either with them, the next year they with me, depending on where we're at and what we're doing. And um, yeah, that can be quite exciting. Nice long haul flight. And then obviously when we visit, we do lots of sightseeing. Um, you know, when they're here, we, we've been to Kruger National Park on Safari. Um, you know, he likes shark cage diving. <clears throat> Not my favorite. But, you know, we do get, we do get around. We do get around when we do together. Oh, wow. So you, you, you're quite an extensive traveler and you, you've got quite a bit of experience. So dig a little bit deeper into that during the course of the interview. Sure. So you've said that you use a wheelchair when you travel. Yes. But maybe we can dive a little deeper into the actual logistics of what is travel like for you? What are the logistics and how does it impact on you? It's always requesting, it, 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 it always entails a lot of planning. Um, so you've got to think ahead. Um, you've got to request the wheelchair, make sure that, you know, wheelchair has been requested. Because when you catch them unawares at the desk, sometimes the checking desk, and we can get all sorts of faces, pops and pops. Um, so it's always booking a wheelchair up front. Um, it's always making sure, you know, that your, your, your apps are working, your Uber app, your Google Maps, your... Um, you know, if you book into a B&B or a hotel, um, you know, for work that, you know, it is accessible, that there aren't any, aren't any stairs leading up to your bedroom, um, you know, preferably ground floor if, 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 if it is. Um, and also checking with clients, you know, ahead of time, if it's, if it's venues outside of Cape Town, you know, is it accessible, are there stairs, that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, that's locally. And then long haul flights. Um, the dreaded 12-hour Cato <laughs> flight um, can be quite daunting, but again, you know, making sure that you book an aisle seat um, so that you can get up and stretch um, because, you, you you know, when you've sat for too long, um, you know, you can result in body stiffness, muscle spasms, um, you're unsteady, um, and, and, you know, there's a bit of imbalance. And on the plane as well, you know, the clutching seats as you walk. So as I board, I'll really say to the flight attendant, you know, from time to time, I will require to walk in your galley area. Obviously, not during meal prep times, but when it's quiet, um, just to stretch my legs, um, you know, do a couple of paces. First time you, you mention that to them, they kind of go, okay, they're a bit uncomfortable. But when they see what you're doing, it's, oh, okay. And so when you get up the second time, then, you know, they kind of know what you're going to do. So it's just walking a few steps and then, you know, bending the knees and that kind of thing. 
and uh, as opposed to walking up and down the aisles when everyone's sleeping and bumping everyone and waking them up. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, you know, that helps um, so that you're not completely stuffed um, from sitting all the time. Um, and yeah, that, that's, that's for long haul, yes. So it's a lot of preparation and also the ability to explain to others what you might need and what you're doing or going to be doing. Absolutely. I think, you know, when, when, when you're kind of boarding and you're with special assistants and you you are loaded in onto the plane normally <laughs> through the pilot's um, door, which is quite cool, um, I've learned now. I've, I've, just, you know, I've just learned to enjoy it. So, um, <laughs> um, you know, you, you're bored and, you know, you just – it's, it's, sometimes it, it seems as if you're treated like you know one size fits all. Everybody has the same requirements. But I make a I make a concerted effort to say you know this is what I need, um, so that you know you don't bug them sort of mid-flight and say you know as a, as I board I say you know this is what I'm going to need blah blah blah. Yes, they know how people say trying to get everybody on the plane, but um, you know so I'll, I'll chat to you later on um, when when I need it so that they know upfront this is what I'm going to be. I'm going to be in this space for a little bit. And you generally find that the the people that you engage with are willing to help and and no, absolutely, absolutely. I haven't had any you know sort of fun experiences on a plane, except for maybe hang hand luggage trying to and I try now not to travel with hand luggage because I can't lift anything into the overhead compartment. Um, and on a particular airline, <laughs> don't do that. So I have to ask a fellow passenger to lift any hand luggage into the overhead compartment. Um, so I try not to travel with any sort of hand luggage. I'll just have my handbag and that'll be it. And then I book in my big bag and that's it. Wow. So that's quite a, I mean, for me, that would have a huge impact because so much of the things that I need, I need to have with me. Yeah. So, wow. Yeah, but especially when you're traveling for work and you've got your laptop bag. Right. Then I'm yeah. going to four, 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 four. Locally, it's fine. International flights, where the problem is, where they they refuse to lift anything overhead. Um, so I've got to wait for a passenger to board and then say, "Pretty please, can you pop that in there for me?" And people are generally quite helpful, I have to say. Yes. Um, you know, except when they're in a rush. Um, if, if it's the first couple of people coming in, you know, and the plane's not that busy yet. It's quite cool, but later on, as people start piling in, and you know, the, when it causes the the backups, the pylons, as I call them, um, that's not the time to ask. <laughs> I can understand that because, yeah, there's a lot going on at that Absolutely, time. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's covered a fair number of logistics from a perspective that I haven't really thought about before. So, thanks for sharing that those, those insights with us. Let's move on to some of the technologies that you use when you travel. And technologies, I can mean pretty much anything yeah. um, in terms of assistive technology, apps, any kind of devices that you use. You've already mentioned a wheelchair. Yes. Um, so what, um, what do you use? What makes travel easier for you? Uh, Uber. I have to have Uber on my phone. Um, Uber Assist, preferably. Um, and then WhatsApp Notes helps quite easy to do, especially when you're walking, you know, there's no time to sort of punch in, type out a, a message, just easy to do the voice note. Google Maps also with voice recognition, voice commands, um, also when I'm driving, um, so that's, that's pretty cool. 
Um, so I was horrified to find out about two years ago when I was training in film that when I arrived at the airport that there's no Uber. Ooh. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> So I got to the information desk and I said, you know, I'm not picking up Uber on my on my app. It's nothing's happening. And she said, no, 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 we don't have Uber. You're going to have to, um, you know, get a taxi. Um, luckily, uh, you know, a colleague and I we met up. Um, we were traveling together, and then we booked. We found a very nice um, taxi um, and taxi driver, and he took us to where we needed to be. gave us gave us his number, collected us the next day, took us back and forth to the venue, and the following day back to the airport. So that was quite cool. Um, but just yeah, we, we, we become so spoiled sometimes that we don't realize um, <laughs> that these. Uber's not everywhere. <laughs> I, I guess it's one of the assumptions we make, you know, it's just, yeah. yeah. Okay, great. And when you say you use voice notes, in, in what sort of capacity would you use those as a, as a, as a traveler? Um, if, if I'm chatting to my sister, especially at the airport, um, you know, just give an update on where I'm at. And um, you, you're generally fatigued after a 12-hour flight. Um, so it'd be easy just to send her a voice note once I've arrived, just to say, you know, I've landed safely, da da da, one lap down, one more to go. Because generally, when I travel to visit her, I've got to um, catch a connecting flight from Heathrow on to Leeds Bradford to get to York. Um, you know, it's just so, so that she's aware of where I'm at, and, and it's easier than to try and cut a message because at that point, your muscles are quite tired and you're weary, and anything, everything becomes an, an effort. Um, and I use, you know, I use it here as well. A lot of the time, it's just easier. It is, and quicker. Yes, absolutely. Great. Thanks for explaining that. I'm sure, and I know from previous conversations that you and I have had, that you have some absolutely fascinating stories about your travels. <laughs> so let's chat a bit about some of the challenges that you've faced when traveling and how you've overcome them. Yes, I, um, <laughs> my favorite story, as you know, um, Lois, is when I was abandoned and deserted in a terminal at Heathrow Airport. And that was when I was arriving, um, uh, I was flying back home, and on the early morning flight from, from um, Lee Bradford, landed at Heathrow, and there were three, um, three of us uh, wheelchair users, right? The two ladies, their flights were more imminent. I arrived at um, nine o'clock in the morning, and my flight was only at six in the, in the early evening. So I had lost the kill. And I understood because, yeah, obviously, flights, um, um, local flights are unlimited as they are here from East London or anywhere else. Um, so I, I had lots of time to kill at Heathrow. However, um, you know, the two ladies went off, and the special assistant said to me, you know, someone will be around to. Uh, will come around with a good wheelchair to assist you. Um, so I sat and I sat and a plane landed and people walked through the gates and everybody left. And um, because it's a local local flight, no one uses the baggage area. So the baggage area was completely deserted and there was me sitting waiting. And no one, occasionally someone would trickle through, but it looked like, like, you know, your maintenance cleaning staff. So I couldn't really ask them about special assistance. Um, and I think it was about two hours. It was eventually, and, and it was two hours and 40 minutes. That's how long I was sitting there. 
eventually in total. But, you know, a gentleman came through, he looked like he was in the early lunch break. He came out of one of the offices. The doors are, are sealed. Um, he came through and I said, no, at the point I hadn't eaten, I hadn't had a water to drink. I, oh. so I thought I'd, I'd, I'd do all of these things because I had all this time at the airport. Mm. Um, no medication, couldn't go to the bathroom just in case I missed someone, you know, come in with a wheelchair. So I was sat there for two, two hours, 40 minutes in total. And then, you know, when he came past, I was, I, I think I might have been careful. I think I was <laughs> trying to be cool. Um, he, you know, I said, please, please, can you help me? And he said, what's the matter? And he said, oh, come with, can you walk? I said, yes, I can walk. And, you know, we walked. He said, the office not far. Please come with me. We'll make a call. And we, we did that. And they very kindly gave me, offered me some water in the office. And someone gave me their, 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 their packet of, of nuts that they were going to have as a snack to eat. So I could take my meds. And, you know, with, within minutes, special assistance was there. Um, so I sent them an email. Um, um, on my return to say, you know, this is what happened. And for me, the problem seemed to stem from the assistants chopping and changing. So they get, they get their requests on an app on their phone, um, of which, which passenger they need to assist and where the passenger needs to go. But they seem to be chopping and changing amongst, amongst themselves. And that's what caused, I, I got lost in the system basically. Um, wow. So I sent an email to um, to Heathrow uh, Customer Services. I received a response saying, you know, apologies. We really apologize for what's happened. Um, we will investigate, look into it, and obviously chat to our service provider with regards to that. So that was my first. That 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 was my. <laughs> I can laugh about it now. You know, it's funny. Um, but when it was happening, it wasn't. It was. It was. It was quite stressful. Um, after that, you know, once I was in special assistance and things just went really smoothly, it was fine. Yeah. So that was the one challenge. Um, the second one was arriving at, um, at, at Leeds Bradford and then being met by the special assistance person in a wheelchair. And then I said, well, um, you know, because most people fly locally. So I got my big bag, you know, at, at the baggage area, we have to go and, go and get that. And she nearly went bananas. She said to me, what? I must push you and the bag? How big is this bag? And, you know, she kept panicking and panicking. And after a 20-hour flight, <laughs> my tolerance was a bit low. <laughs> so I said to her, I said to her, please just help me out. Of My thinking was, just get me out of this wheelchair. I need to think straight and I can I can, I can just help myself. Please just go. I said, yeah. I said to her, please just go. I'll figure it out myself. And, uh, you know, luckily for me, there was a very nice couple standing close by. They heard the conversation and the gentleman said to me, you know, can I help you? You know, just, just let me know where your bag is and I'll get it off the conveyor for you, which he did. And then he wheeled it and I said, we can just wheel it to the trolley area for me. However, <laughs> at Leeds Bradford Airport, you need a one pound coin to put in the chain to release the trolley. <laughs> As happens in many airports, yes, oh, I had a common thing. I just arrived, I bought coffee on my card, I had no coins on me. <laughs> I had a big for one pound coin. Oh. Um, so someone did, did, did assist me again, and that's why I say people are just generally quite helpful, um, and managed to release the trolley, and someone lifted the bag onto the trolley for me, which was cool, because I could then support myself by pushing the trolley to... To my my loved ones were waiting for me. 
Um, this is, yeah, it, and, and, and you know what I've realized is that I only ever have traveled long haul on my own. I've never had anyone travel with me, and that's part of the problem. Um, is that there's no one to assist you. So, you know, they've, they've got to be concerned about pushing you in the wheelchair and a big bag. Um, yeah. But uh, you can't be the only term person that, yeah. that that's happened to because, I mean, okay, I understand that the, the, the special assistance person is got their hands occupied with the wheelchair. Yeah. But surely there must be processes in place for then what if the passenger also has a bag? Doesn't seem like it because I sent them an email as well. I received a very empathetic response, which was awesome. And that, you know, the, the staff is due to be going on um, awareness training in the next month. I hope they have. Um, and um, it was also said to me in the email that next time I fly or pass through, I must, you know, send them an email beforehand so that, you know, they can assist me and so that the, the same thing doesn't happen. My problem was what happens to someone else who travels the next day with the same problem? And why should I be alerting you via email that I'll be passing through the airport? Um, I definitely will be making contact with them when I visit again. Uh, to say, hello, I'm arriving, please can you <laughs> the red carpet, which is not what I want. It should just be an easy process. Um, yeah. You know, I should be able to fill it out on, on the ticket request, um, you know, what, what my requests are. And yes. I, I shouldn't have to send an email beforehand. And my problem is not everyone has access to your email address to say, look, I'll be arriving, I need this, that, and the other. And I understand that everyone has different requests, but um, yeah. Yes, I, I can imagine. Yeah. Hi, I and my luggage will be arriving on Tuesday at 10 a.m. Please ensure that two special assistance persons are waiting for me. No, we don't want that. <laughs> wow. I've... Never had to interview someone who's had that particular kind of problem. It, it sounds, I've chat to a couple of my colleagues and find out what <laughs> advice they have, because that sounds like quite a, quite a particular situation. But yes, wow. I, I definitely will have a, a, a pound coin on hand next time. <laughs> <laughs> I've learned, I've learned. You learn as you go along, yeah. I think it's so great that you are now able to laugh at these situations. I'm sure at the time that your response might not have been quite so. Um... Not, not at all. Not, not, not at all. <laughs> I went to, you know, now when I tell the story, I can laugh about it. And I say, oh, we were in Cabin Band and the Terminal. <laughs> it was pretty raw at the time. And I was not going to repeat the story, you know, um, a yeah. couple of times over. It was just, no. Um, but, you know, you also learn as you go along. Um, you learn to laugh, and I think that's the important part. Yes. So along with these quite challenging experiences, like every traveler, I'm sure you must also have your, your, your favorite stories about great things that you've seen and experienced and that have happened. Yes. Um, I think when you, when you travel locally, you know, sometimes you're the only person in a wheelchair or you're one or two others. Um, um, but when you travel long haul, 
and you are in the um, special assistance area, um, you realize how many people there are that need assistance. Um, I remember sitting in the special area waiting, um, you know, it was close to my time where I needed to board to, to, to drive to Leeds and a group of about, like I said, 10 to 15 people arrived in wheelchairs. In a group, they were all together, they all knew each other. And it was just amazing to me that there were so many people um, taking to the airwaves, um, requiring assistance, and that they weren't letting, you know, the whole the whole experience of sitting in a wheelchair let them down, um, regardless they were going to their destination. Um, so it's one way of feeling that you're not alone, uh, but you also realize the impact of disability on and, and you know amongst travelers, and that it is um, you know quite prevalent. I think that brings up a, a very important point, and, and that is the the need for tourism and hospitality service providers to be aware of the, the growing population that is going to utilize accessible services. Absolutely, absolutely. And I think I, I think there's such an awareness around, um, you know, people with disabilities, not, not just people with disabilities, but around universal access, um, you know, not just for people with disabilities, for anyone, you know, who's had a, a, an accident and now needs to be on crutches or, you know, someone who's had an off and has um, restricted mobility uh, or, you know, a, a, um, for, for a short period of time, um, you know, people have accidents and they need to go on holiday. So, you know, how do you, how do you, how do you um, accommodate them? Um, and, you know, I think there's such an awareness that, 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 that no company wants to be left behind or should be left behind. Um, you know, there, there, there's so many things that you can, there, there, there's general stuff that they can do. I think, it, you know, just the simple stuff, get the simple stuff right. Right. You know, um, parking bays, um, accessible bathrooms and toilets, um, you know, making sure that, you know, there's seating where there aren't any steps so someone can enter with a wheelchair or dropping off area even. Sometimes if it's a restaurant or, you know, a, 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 an office where it's in a main road and there's no parking, um, you know, it's sort of just a drop off area for someone who is um, um, a wheelchair user. That will, that will make things so much easier. Um, you know, instead of having to phone beforehand and say, you know, is there any areas there parking bay, you know, that I can utilize before I get there, blah, blah, blah. You know, if you have the, the cognizance to remember that you need to do that before you go, you don't, it doesn't always happen. You know, sometimes you just get there and think, oh, um, you know, where to park now or where to go or how do I get, I see there's no ramp, you know, that kind of thing. Um, but just, just the little things, um, to start off with, um, if, if, you know, service providers would just start there and look at that. Um, there, there are too many requirements to cater for, and we're not saying everything should be in place, but, you know, just, just the basic ones um, so that you're not caught left, being left behind. And I think you've you've kind of covered a, a fair amount in, in that um, response as well. And in fact, mm -hmm. my next question has just flown out the window because it was Sorry. going to be, what <laughs> advice would you give to a service provider? Sorry. But you've already covered that. So <laughs> let's move swiftly on. No, but I think it is, it's very true. You know, there's some simple 
changes that service providers can make, like effective ramps instead yeah. of small mountains. Um, Absolutely. And just awareness. I think that yeah. that's a great starting point for any organization wanting to make themselves more accessible and more able to be enjoyed and used as a service provider and not just by people in wheelchairs because a drop-off area will help someone who's visually impaired as well because someone can just drop them and say it's close close to the door Um, and as well you know there are a number of people who may not be in a wheelchair but aren't able to walk long distances aren't comfortable people who are elderly as well so yeah it doesn't just help someone in a wheelchair it's got a far broader reach than than just that it's just like i saying it's just it's just the little stuff um you know yeah. it's an amazing thing with an amazing amazing places where you know there's a disability sign on the door but you know if you look at the space of the door and you think there's no way a wheelchair will get through there um or- I think you and I had a discussion about one of the, the the places quite close to where I stay in Cape Town that has an accessible um, bathroom facilities that, first of all, has a wall that's blocking the entrance and then the doorway isn't wide enough. Yeah, there are lots so, of examples, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Do you have any other advice to offer to service providers who are looking to try and make themselves more accessible? Speak to the people. Speak speak to people with disabilities. Um, you know they'll they'll tell you what they need. Um, they really will tell you what they need instead of you trying to figure out what what it is that they need. Um, I've seen seen too many scary things. Um, you know, with a bit of with a face and it's so far away with a with a <laughs> the toilet itself is so far away from the toilet roll. Yeah. You know, that those kinds of things. Um, you know, try it yourself and see. If if it if it works for if it doesn't work for you, it probably won't work for you know, but get someone who with a disability, um, ask them to, to try and, you know, check check out your facilities. Um, and just to give it, to do sort of like a dry run just to see, you know, what is it that we need. Um, because, you know, it's one thing to say you, we need to put this in and we have to put them in. If, it is, if it's not practical, it doesn't serve the purpose. That's so true. Yeah. And one of, the, one of the other phrases that you've used a couple of times in a previous conversation is that one size doesn't fit all. Maybe Absolutely. a little bit of thought around that one. Yeah, no. Um, like I'm saying, we we all have different requirements, and it's impossible to cater to everyone's needs. Um, you know, disabled isn't disabled. Um, you know, you and I could have the same condition, but we'll have different requirements. Um, I might be able to walk very easily across a stretch of floor, you know, a flat surface. You you might not be able to do it unaided. Um, so even though we've got the same condition. Um, you know, so you you need to know, um, you need to ask, and you need to know um, that there are different um, different types of disabilities. If you just looked at me, you wouldn't say there's anything wrong with me. And people go like, oh, but you look fine. You know, it's an invisible illness. Um, you know, I'm and up until I've sat for a bit and I need to get up, and then you'll see, oh, <laughs> oh, lots of moaning and groaning going on, but. Um, 
you know, so, so there's no one size fit all. It doesn't fit the box for everybody. Um, you've got to look at different options. And, and, and that's why it's so important to ask, you know, ask the question, what is it that you need? How can we assist you? Um, how can we best assist you? Um, you know, it's, it's just, just one size fits all doesn't work for everybody. And I suppose in, in many senses, that makes it more difficult for a service provider Absolutely. To, yeah. to understand what those needs are and, and possibly yeah. to err on the side of caution. You like, yeah. yeah. Renee? It's been absolutely fantastic chatting to you and hearing some of your insights of your own travel and some of the, the lessons that we can take from them. But one of the questions that I'd, I'd like to finish off with in the podcast is to ask the, the people that I'm speaking to what advice they would give to a person, a traveler with a disability, who's wanting to travel that is a little uncertain about doing it. What I would, would you say to them? I would I would say to them absolutely do it. Um, you know, we I, I've seen too many people with with disabilities. Um, you know, we look at someone with a disability and we think, oh, you know, is the story of how how it happened or uh, you know, are they dealing with an illness? But there's there's always another story, and the the, the other story always entails. Um, resilience, determination, and, and adaptability, most importantly. And I see that in, <laughs> I call them my tribe because <laughs> you know, we are in a tribe and I love my people. Um, I, I, I see the determination. Sometimes, you know, if I, if I, when I'm working with people with disabilities, I'm like, oh, geez, how are you going to do that? You know, my, my first instinct is also still to say, can I help you? Um, and, and, and a lot of the time it will be, no, I'm okay, I can do it myself. And then you just go, yay. Um, you know, so so when, you know, absolutely take that trip, do that travel. Um, you know, you'll figure it out as you go along. Yes, there might be frustrations, helping and buffing along the way. But you know what? You'll, you'll, you'll love to tell the tale, tale, tell the tale of how you got lost or were deserted in a terminal. <laughs> um, you know, we find a way. And that's the most important part is, you know, you, you, you've got nothing to lose. Um, and just everything to gain, and if not, then a tale to tell at the end of it. Um, there, there's so many, um, you know, there's there's there's, there's such an, an an awareness now on people with disabilities and accommodations that they, you know, they are, oh no, we can't go because so and so or he or she won't be able to. Those days are gone. Um, it can be done, and it should be done. Great. Thank you for those thoughts. Renee, thank you so much. It's been absolutely wonderful chatting to you today and having you on the podcast with us. I really appreciate your time and your stories. And <laughs> Many stories, Lois. <laughs> <laughs> I think we all have stories, but in sharing those stories, we can help others who maybe one day might experience the same situation. So. Stories are a great way to learn as well. Absolutely. I agree with you. I couldn't agree more. Wonderful. Renee, thank you so much. It's been great to chat to you. Thanks, Lois. I really enjoyed having the opportunity of chatting to Renee Tembe. It was great to have her join us for the interview. We do want to just again apologize 
for the quality of the call. I promise we weren't being invaded by aliens, even though it might have sounded like it. Now it's time for the service provider spotlight. On today's spotlight, we're traveling not to a place, but to an equipment supplier, Freedom Walkers. Freedom Walkers are based in Cape Town and they provide custom-made mobility aids for children. These walking frames are reasonably priced, as we've said, and they allow children the gift of independence for those who need a little bit of extra support when walking. To find out more details, read some reviews, and to see some photographs of their products, you can go to the Accessible South Africa Travel website on www.accessiblesouthafrica.co.za and find the information under the Equipment Suppliers tab. And as always, we suggest that you do this so you can see in detail before making contact with the service provider whether their products can serve your personal needs. Thanks everyone. I hope you've enjoyed this week's podcast and I look forward to chatting to you again next time. That's it from us for this time. You can find Accessible South Africa on the web at accessiblesouthafrica.co.za or on Facebook and Instagram at Accessible South Africa or on Twitter at Accessible SA. You can also email us at podcast at accessiblesouthafrica.co.za Editing by Deirdre Gower. Our theme music is by Louis Chichao based on a motif by Lois Strachan. Credits read by Andre Latoy, the big positive guy. Thanks for joining us on Accessible South Africa Travel Podcast. We'll see you next time. And until then, happy travels. Music